Good morning, church. My name is Mary Chung March. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is good to be worshiping with you this morning. Happy Fourth of July to you. This weekend, we are celebrating Independence Day with barbecues, sparklers, limited fireworks, and family and friends. Uh, I want to take a minute to appreciate those who fought for our freedom and continue to fight for our freedom. We recognize that our freedom has come at a great cost. Our forefathers fought for our freedom because they recognized that they were not free and that they were deep injustices. They were a colony and they were being taxed without representation, being treated less than as citizens and not given the same rights as Englishmen. The civil unrest in the English colonies was warranted and the English government, they were getting growing uneasy um, and concerned about the unrest in the 13 colonies, um, starting with the riot-provoking Stamp Act of 1765, the Boston Tea Party of 1773, where in protest, we dumped all the English tea into the Boston Harbor. And with the shot heard around the world in 1775, it started the Revolutionary War. Americans wanted equal treatment and the rights of an Englishman. They didn't want to be treated as three-fifths Englishmen. They wanted freedom. And after being at war for over a year, on July 4, 1776, the Declaration of Independence, penned by Thomas Jefferson and signed by the future leaders of the United States of America, whereby pronouncing their independence from British rule. They were saying, no more. We're not going to be silent anymore. We're not going to be inactive. We're going to speak up. So the freedom that we now enjoy and celebrate today, it came at a price paid by others. And in the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence are the famous words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This truth is taken from scripture that we are all created equal, made in God's image, endowed by our creator God to enjoy life and freedom and the pursuit of happiness. It's the foundation our country was built on. We're a nation founded from protest and struggle against injustice. In full circle, we find ourselves today, in these days, answering our own history. Are all men created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights? Are we able to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? When one is born free, we can take freedom for granted. But for those who do not feel free, freedom is quite precious. And freedom is costly. It's true of our nation. It's true of our salvation given in Jesus. For those who are followers of Jesus, we know that Jesus paid for our freedom from sin and paid for our salvation with his life. Let that sink in. Someone paid for you. Our place as a child of God, it didn't come to us because 
we were owed it or we deserved it or we worked hard for it, we worked harder than the next person. We didn't earn it. It was given to us. We are still in the midst of a pandemic. We're still in the midst of nationwide unrest. We're living in a pivotal point in history where we're recognizing that there is inequality. There are systems that don't allow us to quite honor the image of God and all humans. There's a history of oppression and racism that's been around for 528 years, and it seems like we are currently in a new awakening and realization this can no longer be the norm. And silence is not an option. And if there's ever a day to remember the price that someone paid for our freedom, the ransom Jesus paid for our lives, the cost of eternal freedom, eternal life, today's a pretty good day to remember that. That someone else paid a debt, a price for our freedom. Someone stood in the gap for you and me. How are we being called to stand in the gap for others? In biblical times and in current history, there are numerous instances of people standing in the gap for others. Moses stood in the gap for the Israelites. Paul stood in the gap for the Gentiles. Jesus stood in the gap for humanity. In history, on June 19th, we recognize and celebrate Juneteenth. This year, it was the 155th anniversary of Freedom Day, or Juneteenth, Juneteenth, the holiday celebrating the emancipation of those who were enslaved in the U.S. This um, Juneteenth order from 1865, it actually was just a modest two-paragraph handwritten order. It was like a little entry in the book labeled Headquarter District of Texas, Galveston. It was from a major general enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation from two years earlier. That handwritten order and the men who brought it freed the lives of 250,000 enslaved people. Those two paragraphs were no small thing, nor the many voices that have been speaking up since. They've been standing in the gap. I am ethnically South Korean, and I was born and raised here in the U.S., but I've been learning a lot about Korean history. I've known the history of slavery within Korea, the imperial colonization and annexation of Korea by Japan, the Korean War, periods and times where Koreans were treated very much less than as dogs, as one not made in the image of God. My grandparents' generation was during that annexation, and my parents were children in Korea during the Korean War. Recently, I've watched some period pieces, historically themed movies and dramas like The Last Princess and Mr. Sunshine, it's on Netflix. These dramas capture painfully and poignantly the high cost of freedom and standing up to injustice. When people were silent, the injustice continued. But people stood up and they stood in the gap. This is part of my history. This is part of my story. And if you are an American, it's actually part of your story, too. Is standing in the gap biblical? Is it scriptural? 
Is it on the heart of God? I would say absolutely. Today's scripture is from 1 John 3, 16 to 18, and it says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So point one from the scripture today is the gap. Standing in the gap. Jesus laid down his life to stand in the gap for us. How are we being called to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters? In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Christ's sacrificial love compels us to be ministers, initiators, waymakers of reconciliation. If you look at verses 16 to 20, it reads, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. A few key phrases I want you to make note of. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. We are given this ministry of reconciliation, and we are Christ's ambassadors. If we regard no one from a worldly point of view, we're talking about we're no longer going to rank people's worth based on our preconceived notions, our biases, based on status or appearance or intelligence or race or zip code or amount of wealth. If we regard people from Christ's point of view, how do we regard them? We regard them as new creation, as God's own sons and daughters, our brothers and sisters, as image bearers of the Most High God, their family. And he asks us to be reconcilers. This is not just the work of pastors. This is your work too, as God's people. In verse 20, we are called ambassadors. My understanding of ambassadors is they do stuff. They represent, they go to hard places of tension to bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to bring understanding, to build bridges. A bad ambassador is someone who talks a great talk, but has absolutely no walk. That's not us. And when we talk about our brothers and sisters, Jesus isn't just talking about our blood relation family. He's talking about our baptismal relation family. The people who have become your brothers and sisters by the blood of Jesus not just my family that looks like me. 
And we are aware that as we live into the kingdom reality that we will be in on that final day is that it is a multi-ethnic kingdom of people of all colors, nations, ethnicity, tribes. So if that is our kingdom reality, that is to come. It is not a maybe, it is definitely coming. Will we show up there meeting for the first time? Or will we have been brothers and sisters here on earth? When God asks us, did you love the least of these? Did you love them like you loved me? Did you love them like you loved yourself and your own kids? And this verse in our scripture today is hard. I, in terms of laying down your life, I'm not asking you to give your life as a ransom. It's more like this. If you have had a child the day your child was born, you didn't know that you could love someone so fiercely with all that you had. As a parent, something deep within us shifts when a child is born, and there are a thousand things you would do for your child that you would not do for anyone else, even yourself. And I, I got to live that reality when one of our children uh, we discovered had many life-threatening food allergies. And I love food. I love food very deeply. But in order for him to get well, the doctor said the best chances he has of getting over his allergies is as I nursed him that I took on all his allergies and didn't eat all those 30 foods he was allergic to so that he might maybe be healed. I wouldn't have done that for myself. I would have only done it for my child. Why? Because our love for our children is so deep. We are fiercely protective of our family and our children. And Christ is fiercely protective and loving towards us, his children. And so when I am told that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I know that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and if I know how deeply Christ loves his children, when I see people suffering because of the color of their skin, whether it is a child being detained, a person being choked or being killed for running in a neighborhood for a nonviolent crime. And if I saw with my eyes and considered, what if that was my son? It changes everything for me. If we can see something like that happen and think of it as our own family and consider it justice, then I ask you not to do anything. But if it was our own child and we considered the act unjust, it would compel us. It would behoove us to call out and not remain silent. I have been mistreated at times because of my race or the way I look, but I have never been afraid of losing my life 
when I've been pulled over in a traffic stop, when I've walked down the street with a hoodie on, when I've gone out for a run. And perhaps you haven't either, but there are many who we call brothers and sisters in Christ who have had to worry and who live in fear daily. And the lists of people who have lost their lives, it just continues to grow. If you look online at hashtag say their names, the list has grown since the day we have lost George Floyd here in Minneapolis about a month, a month and a week ago. There's Elijah McLean, Justin Howell, Sean Monterosa, Jamel Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Timmy Rice. It goes on and on. When you see on media or on t-shirts, hashtag I can't breathe, what does that mean? I think it means that the grief deepens each time we add another hashtag, say their name. Because when I talk to some of my black brothers and sisters, they say they see their sons, they see themselves. It's another funeral punctuating the pain and the grief and the loss. I'm not bringing this up to make people feel badly, but I'm bringing it up because I am compelled to say that their lives matter. I'm compelled to say that it is the gospel, it is the good news of Jesus for everyone, that he came to seek and save the lost, to proclaim his kingdom and justice here on earth. And he said he's going to do it through us. This is the good news of Jesus. This is what's on the heart of God. Luke 6, 31 says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you and your children. Matthew 25, 40, What you did for the least of these, you did for me. And Micah 6, 8, He told you, O mortal, what is good, and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is biblical. Point number two, we find in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? How are we giving ourselves? How are we loving our neighbor? How are we blessing others as we have been blessed? My birthday was about a week ago, and the first thing I did when I woke up was uh, start a list. I wrote down 42 things I was grateful for. Many of those things, some were material, but most were people. People who had loved me, poured into me, people who had gone before me, my parents, my grandparents. I realized that any material blessing I had as a child was provided for me. I, I didn't necessarily earn it. And I was grateful for my freedom, grateful for my unearned reality of being born in the U.S. as a U.S. citizen. How it was decided that I was to be born in New Jersey and let's say not born during a war or in slavery, or in current North Korea. 
I was born free. And because of the way that I feel like God has blessed me, I am compelled to use my voice and my freedom and the ways that I have been blessed to bless others. I am compelled by the love of Christ to make my life about standing in the gap for others. In what ways can you give of yourself? In what ways can you tangibly love others in this deeply painful and reckoning time in history? How are you being called to change systems, change your own budget, change your resources, change your understanding, change your discipleship, to stand in the gap and love our neighbor? Point number three is go. It comes from verse 18. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How will you go and let your actions be louder than your words? Today in social media, we're often showing our thoughts by posting it somewhere. Um, there are ways where we can post our thoughts and people don't necessarily get to see if we live them out. I really appreciate verse 18 because it's asking us to preach the gospel and live the gospel first. Maybe when necessary, use words. It's asking us to show what we think and what we believe by what we do and how we give our time, talents, and treasures. As I've been looking into Korean and Asian history, um, some of the history of Asian Americans, Americans in the U.S. Um, help me understand how other people have stood in the gap for Asian Americans. Asian-Americans came to the U.S., um, immigrated in the 19th, early 20th century as cheap immigrant laborers. They built railroads and did mining. Um, the Chinese women, that it was mostly from China, and the Chinese women, they were banned from coming in 1875 because uh, the U.S. only wanted the men so that they could work um, because they didn't use up any of the U.S. infrastructure of schools and hospitals, and they were cheap labor. But while they were here, um, there was a lot of racial violence. And um, they were referred to as the sinister yellow peril. They were considered a threat. So um, in 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act became federal law, prohibiting all Chinese immigrants for the next 20 years and declaring Chinese immigrants in the U.S. ineligible for naturalization. Another part of Asian history is in 1940, while we were going overseas to free people from concentration camps, we were putting Japanese Americans in our own detention camps here. And even as there were Japanese-American soldiers fighting for the U.S. during World War II, this was happening to their families. Anyone who was at least 1 16th Japanese 
were taken. Fast forward to the civil rights movement. We as Asians really didn't get much traction until the civil rights movement. Jeff Chang, the author of We Gotta Be Our Right, said Asian Americans owe so much of their presence in this country to the black struggle for freedom. From birthright citizenship to the ability to tell our stories in education and the culture to the civil rights we enjoy. The Immigration and Naturalization Act of 1965, it came on the heels of all the work that was done by black Americans in the civil rights movement. And I think that right now in a time where there's so much pain and recognizing, and this is me kind of confessing, recognizing that the black community has stood in the gap for the Asian community. I had a fellow black pastor ask in general, where are you now? And I realize when we post on social media, we are with you or count me in, is it more than just a post? Does it mean that we will share our power and platform and purses, our places of influence to help instill lasting change? When we say practicing solidarity, are we committing to an action? An action that will change our companies, our government, our schools, our church policies. On this 4th of July weekend, we're recognizing that our freedom didn't come free. Someone paid for it. Someone stood in the gap. From our scripture today and for what is going on in our time now, I feel like we are being called to stand in the gap, to give, to go. One thing we offered was if people were interested in a book group to reach out to me, please do still reach out to me. If you are looking for more resources or ways to engage and respond, um, I'll be posting it on my Facebook page for different ways you can engage and respond, different ways you can stand in the gap, give, and go. There is a quote from um, a past ECC president, Gary Walter, and he writes, there is no insight until you're on site. My question is, how are we on site with those who are suffering? How are we showing up, not on our terms, but on their terms, to be present with them in their pain? The transformational pivots and actions that we take, it will outlast us. The way we move and act right now will impact future generations. 
And on this 4th of July weekend, as we remember those who have stood in the gap for us, I ask that you consider standing in the gap for someone else. And knowing that the reason why you're doing it is not because you should, but because Christ's love compels us to be ministers of reconciliation, to be ambassadors of the good news of Jesus, to proclaim the future kingdom of God. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the freedom we have, both here in the States and in Christ Jesus. Father, help us to be your people who are ministers of reconciliation, your people who are ambassadors of Christ. And lead us in a way that teaches others how to love with word, with, to love with actions and not just words. Lord, help us to stand in the gap and to give and to go one degree closer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.